You know why I do this podcast? It's the name drop, of course. And one of the names we at Geeks of Cascadia like to drop is Lynn Hardy. Hi, it's Blue Samurai with another .5 episode. You remember why we do .5s, right? Because we didn't do something called an RSS feed when we did the OrcaCon Pod podcast. If you don't know what an RSS feed is, well, Google it or YouTube it. And just know we are doing it now. Hey, anyway, Lynn Hardy took the time to talk to us a couple months ago, and we want to make sure everyone heard that interview. We are huge fans of this Renaissance woman who develops RPG games. In fact, we talk about her latest game, Cogs, Cakes, and Swordstick, and how the Seattle Seahawks drove her to RPG games. That's right. That's what I said. The Seattle Seahawks drove her to RPG games. If you want to know more, well, roll the dice. Hey, nerds! It's Geeks of Cascadia. Geeks of Cascadia. Geeks of Cascadia. Exclusive tabletop game podcast for the uh, Pacific Northwest. All levels of gamers. Amazon Gaming. Tabletop News. Stupid, mindless, bad. There will definitely be some that. That's probably our best. That, that's, that's, our, that's our best. Our best feature. You are listening to the Geeks of Cascadia podcast, featuring Steve Hobbs, Paul Anderson, and Joe Costa. This podcast is brought to you by OrcaCon. Hey, Orca nerds! Um, Steve and I are here with Lynn Hardy. She is a game designer. Hello, Lynn. Thank you for letting us talk to you, and thanks for coming to OrcaCon. Thank you very much for having me back again. It's a good, um, so, what are you doing at OrcaCon this time? Oh, this time, um, other than making the place look untidy, um, <laughs> I've been running uh, Cogs, Cakes, and Swordsticks all weekend. Right. And I did two panels as well. Wonderful. Now, I, I was um, blessed enough to get to, to play with you. Uh, the, the cogs, kicks, and sword sticks, and that was my second role-playing game ever. So much fun! I absolutely loved it, and so thank you so much to you and to Elliot who gave me his spot in the game. So, um, how long have you been um, doing RPGs? Um, it's it's usually considered rude to ask a lady her age, and that's kind <laughs> of a similar thing. Um, but I will admit to oh goodness, well. Probably 20 years, um, on and off, uh, but I stopped being a biomedical sciences lecturer five years ago to become a full-time game designer, writer, and editor. Fantastic. Yeah, so tell me, how did you get into all this? The Seattle Seahawks. Really? Okay. (laughs) They're they're good for something. Speaking of how they, well, unfortunately they lost yesterday, so it's kind of a downer. But uh, so tell us about that. I mean, uh, now now you got me curious. Well, 20 odd years ago, oh, it's slightly more now actually, they started showing American football in Britain Mm -hmm. on Sunday afternoons. Wow. And I used to watch it with my dad. Mm -hmm. He picked the Cowboys. I went for the Seahawks. Because to start with, to be fair, I like the logo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. And the colour scheme. Yeah. Green, green is an excellent choice. Um, and I used to follow the Seahawks. Now, at the time, getting hold of a Seahawks top in Britain was really hard. Because you could get the Redskins, the Cowboys, yeah. the 49ers, yeah, that's, that's, the Dolphins. You know, the obvious right. ones. That's how it works in that and, area. And they kind of sucked 20 years ago. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I like underdogs. Yeah. Um, so they managed to get hold of a Seahawks top for me. I went off to university 
always wanting to having ha- always wanting to have done gaming, but didn't know anyone who was doing it. Yeah. I went to the first night party at my hall of residence in my Seahawks top, and three guys who were actually part of Newcastle University's American football team. Oh wow! Saw okay. the shirt. Excellent. Realised that that was an unusual thing, and therefore I wasn't mm-hmm. wearing it as just a fashion statement. <laughs> okay. Came over and started talking to me, and it turned out they were all gamers. They invited awesome. me to join their group. The first thing I ever played was uh, RuneQuest. I inherited a dwarf called Shirley, who was a wonderful character. He used to ride <laughs> yeah. a Um And then a few um, months or so after that, they handed me D&D Redbox and said, you're GMing now. We oh, want wow. to play this. Uh-huh. Uh, and they got me into it. So and... it's like heroin. Yeah, you kind got, of. got right into yes. it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, so now, and then now you're, transi- now you're in. You love it. What was the transition to doing your own stuff? I did that very quickly, actually. Um, okay. I had Redbox D&D. I wrote a few little scenarios. I ran a couple that were in Dragon Magazine as well. Mm-hmm. But because they were all veteran gamers, I felt I couldn't surprise them. So I got Talas Lanta because I'd seen the adverts, no elves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started writing my own adventures for that. Yeah. And then, of course, Wizards of the Coast bought it. Right. Me right. being bolshy confident i sent <laughs> a couple of scenarios mm-hmm. to them yeah they rang me and invited me to Eurogen wow wow uh, okay. and the rest is quite literally history wow so did you um were you doing something else another career while you were doing this to try to yes. support yourself because a lot of people think you can just become a millionaire off this and that is not true <laughs> so what were you doing to actually pay the bills at the time well when i first started doing it i was doing my phd in human molecular genetics I was wow. then a biomedical research scientist mm-hmm. for many years. Then I transferred to become a college lecturer in biomedical sciences oh, uh, and doing it sort of part-time, bits and bobs, right. mostly for Pearl Grain and Dying Earth and, and, mm-hmm. and there. And well, then, I'm a scientist myself, a political scientist. <laughs> <laughs> almost, <laughs> yeah, really. Almost, almost, yes, yes. Okay, so sorry to interrupt. Anyway, <laughs> okay. I've been waiting to use that the whole con. <laughs> anyway, so all right. We'll let you think you're thank a scientist, you. sweetheart. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank <laughs> you. Um, and then really I'd sort of, I'd stopped enjoying doing the science. I'd stopped enjoying doing the lecturing and Mm. I decided, you know, what the heck we were in a very fortunate position financially that we could take that risk and let me do it with having been a research scientist. We'd only ever budgeted around one wage, one of us having a job at a time. Uh So that if I ever did have a job at the same time as my husband, we saved everything I earned. So, okay. Brilliant. So, yeah, I had so, that buffer to be able to, to do that, and I, I know I am very privileged to have been able to do that. Well, I know it's a little risky. I've, I've talked to these different game designers. There was something critical in their life that made them take that risk and go, okay, I'm going to be a game designer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this risk and see what happens. And we were interviewing Chris, and he was saying, well, he got laid off from work, you mm. know, and that, that was one. And um, Alex Jerebuk, we talked to him as yeah. well. And so was it a little scary for you while doing that, or you – you yes. felt, you know what, I'm done, I'm going to do this, I don't care. A bit of both, to be quite okay. honest. I'd, I'd really had enough of the sexism in lecturing that I was suffering from. Um, I wasn't enjoying it anymore um, because the number of good students who were dedicated was getting less and uh, less every yeah. year. Mm-hmm. And it was more sort of being pressured into passing students so the college's numbers look good rather than educating people mm-hmm. and giving them a good grounding. Um, and I thought, you know, what the heck, I want to go do something that I enjoy. Oh, fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, you're so into, you know, you've got a real PhD. You're in the sciences, hard yeah, sciences, yeah. numbers and facts and everything. But you're dealing with a world of magic 
and fantasy. How have you been able to draw off the science side and bring yes. in the fantasy side? And how do you do that? And how do you relate to things like that? Well, the main thing that the PhD helped with was the research skills and the discipline. I okay. love going off and doing the research stuff and finding things out because it's amazing uh -huh. when you go do that, how little you actually end up having to make up. Uh -huh. Because there's so much weird stuff gone on in the world anyway, it really only takes the tiniest of tweaks to turn it into something truly fantastical. That's pretty good. And so what have you, um, some of the works that you've done so far? Ooh, well, I did do a lot of stuff for Dying Earth, for Pearl Grain. Um, I did Cogs, Cakes and Sword Sticks. That was really handy as a writing sample, which helped open doors when I went full time. So that actually led to me becoming the line developer and lead editor and writer on Acton Cthulhu for Modifius. Oh, wow, yeah. Okay. Uh, from there, I am now working for Chaosium, which is fantastic considering Chaosium was the publisher of the first game I ever played. The fact I'm now writing freelance for them is fantastic. <laughs> so Call of Cthulhu. Mm -hmm. There right, are other things okay. in the work which I'm not allowed to tell you about or I'll oh, have to kill on. you. Oh, come <laughs> on. Oh, okay. All right. And so, oh, go I'm ahead, sorry. Paul. No, 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 Can you Paul. just tell oh, us, because I had so much fun yesterday, I want everyone to know. Can you just tell us a little bit, a little bit about Cogs, Cakes, and Sword Sticks, mm -hmm. what it's about, and how you, your process of putting it together? Right. Yes, well, Cogs, Cakes, and Sword Sticks was something that I designed because uh, we were doing a lot of cosplay uh, steampunk conventions in Britain. And we knew a lot of cosplayers who'd never done any role playing live or tabletop who really wanted to get into it, but were very intimidated by the rules heavy systems that were out there. Uh -huh. So I decided to develop something that was incredibly simple that you could pick up and play anywhere that you wanted based around a single D6 because most people can get hold of those. Yeah. Although the original gag was that all you needed to play the game was a napkin and a sugar cube. Yeah. And then we discovered that they changed <laughs> the shape of sugar cubes so they no longer roll very well. Okay. Although cola cubes do work at a push. Okay. <laughs> you have to stop yourself from eating them during the game, obviously, because yeah. otherwise it's not so good. But um, And so we, I wrote it. I co-developed the system with my husband. Um, um, only he like he makes me do all the writing stuff because he says yeah. that's hard. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we tested it extensively at steampunk conventions with non-gamers and gamers alike to make sure everything was in there and it covered stuff. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of went from there. Uh -huh. And it really was something originally that was something to keep me busy while I was getting myself established and sort of like get the hang of designing yeah. stuff myself rather than using established rule systems. It was, it was, it was very, one, you are a wonderful um, game master. Thank you. And two, two it, was, it was very fun and fluid to play. We had a bunch of people who were, I didn't know anybody there. And I think they, some of them knew each other a little bit. And it was just, just, it just kind of, once we got comfortable, it just kind of flowed. And it was a whole lot of fun. So if people want to know more about your games or other games, how can they learn about that? Do you have a website? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I really ought to be more tech savvy. I don't technically have a website. I am on Twitter okay. at Cogs and Cakes. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, mm -hmm. The game itself is available on DriveThru. Mm -hmm. Okay. The entire first chapter is available for free as a pick up and play. And that's all the basics that you need to run a very simple, straightforward game with a little scenario as well. Because mm -hmm. what we really wanted was for people to try it and see if they liked it. Games aren't cheap. No, right. And I'd much rather that people played it and went, yay, I love it, here, have money. Uh -huh. Or, uh -huh. no, that's really not for me. I really wish I hadn't spent that yes. money when I could have spent it on right. X and Y. Yeah. Um, so if you, you love it, fantastic. You can go and you can throw mm. money at me. That would be lovely. Thank <laughs> right, you. Right. Um, but if you don't, 
maybe you know somebody who would. Well, like a little, you're like test driving a car. You yeah. Know, test driving your game. Exactly. That's pretty cool. Well, you know, when you game design, do you? Ha- I'm sure I've, I've talked to Chris about this and other game designers where sometimes you, you design something, it doesn't work, it fails. Have you had a couple of failures oh, sitting on the yeah. shelf there? And... Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. When uh, I was designing small things for the Seven Wonders anthology mm-hmm. for, for Pearl Grain, um, that was something I'd been working on for a while, but it had kind of gone on the back burner. And it, I, it had the background, but it didn't have the system. And because that was going into story games anthology, we had to come up with something. So the first system that we came up with was a variation on the cog system, but that wasn't quite what they were after. Mm-hmm. So then we did something more like a round robin system, uh, where the one player started the sentence saying, my character starts to do X, and then the next person would narrate the consequences, whether they succeeded and then say okay. what they did. Okay. That also, it's a fantastic system. I will use it for something at some point. Sounds mm-hmm. it, it was quite challenging, but it was a lot of fun to do. But again, that still wasn't quite right. So we tried to do sort of like a hybrid system between that and the things that the publisher wanted. Oh, dear, that was horrible. (laughs) That was absolutely terrible. Um, So that one went in the bin and we started again. And thankfully, they really liked the fourth version that we did. (laughs) Part of of game design sounds like, you know, it's a lot of hard work and and there's a lot of failures along along the way to get a success. What's your advice to those up-and-coming game designers out there that are trying to break through in the industry? Don't give up. Test test again <laughs> get someone else to read it so that it says what you think it says mm-hmm. rather yeah. well, what you want it to say rather yes. than what you think right, it yeah. says because the whole point is it's in your head you think you've got that onto paper uh, but you might mm-hmm. not have done and be professional okay always Excellent. be professional that's okay that's good advice good advice and i you know i gotta ask you this too this is um what is the difference of Geeks, gamers, and nerds in Britain versus here in the in the states is is there a difference, or we're basically the same? Um, and the types of games that maybe that um, both sides of the water, the pond, as, as, <laughs> as you call it, uh, what, what's the difference? Oh, um, well, on the other side of the big puddle, um, <laughs> I think. Well, I know I've been very lucky in that I haven't had a lot of the unpleasant experiences that mm-hmm. some of the women gamers over here I know have had. Yeah. Um, I've always had a lot of encouragement from the, the male gamers that I've encountered. Because I've done a lot of live role-playing, there's always been a lot more women around. Mm-hmm. Um, but the lovely thing on both sides of the Atlantic is that I've seen over the last few years it's becoming more family-oriented, there are more children, mm-hmm. there yeah. are more women, there's more variety, there's something mm-hmm. out there for everyone. Um, and it's lovely to see that development. Um, I know that the um, the rumor on our side of the of the pond is mm-hmm. that you lot are completely teetotal when you when you game, which various groups <laughs> have been disabusing me of over the last few mm-hmm. years. I, I think we've had that reputation since um, the American War of Independence. <laughs> <laughs> I think they call it a temper tantrum. <laughs> Well, see, I had this vision. It was like, it's just all Games Workshop over there. It's where's <laughs> oh, the coast over here. <laughs> no, no. I mean, the, the interesting thing is that, I mean, Games Workshop, obviously hardcore fan following. Yes. Um, but in Britain, when gaming first started coming over, they, of course, Games Workshop did publish everything under license. Mm-hmm. So if you were in at the, at the beginning in Britain, all of your games do have Games Workshop on because they were the people who published them. Mm. Uh, and, I mean, it is very healthy. Um, most towns have a Games Workshop where, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're enticing the children in with the drug-coated miniatures. That's right. Um, <laughs> and the paints. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> And that's fantastic because it's a lovely way in. Um, 
And it's good to have lots of variety and lots of things and appeal to lots mm-hmm. of people because not everybody likes the same stuff. Yeah, right. That's true. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Lynn, for Thank doing so this much. interview. Yes. We've been trying. You're like the, you're an elusive um, yes. creature that we've been trying <laughs> to hunt. Go for trying to catch. That's Where'd right. Where'd you go? Because you you're always busy, and and I know you probably want to relax, and because um, your your work is tabletop gaming, but you also relax with tabletop gaming. So I hope you got that in while you're here yeah. at the con. I did. What was really lovely is when I'm at conventions, normally I don't get a chance to play. And I've had a chance to play this weekend, try systems I've been wanting to try Excellent. for years, That's but haven't good. had to run them, which yeah. is wonderful. Yes. And it's it's such a wonderful convention. Everybody's so friendly and welcoming. Mm-hmm. And it's such a beautiful atmosphere as well. So it's just a really nice re-energizing place to be. It sort of mm-hmm. reminds you why you do this and why it's such a great hobby to be involved in. Well, I'm glad you had fun doing that. I know yeah. I've talked to a couple of game designers and it's like, wow, I'm, I finally get to like play a game yeah, yeah. and one that I didn't design, Yay. you know, so that's fantastic. <laughs> well, thanks again for coming and hopefully we'll see you again. Try stopping. We can move back. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Lynn, and thanks for taking the time to talk to us. We hope you'll let us interview you again at the next con. If you want to know more, check out Cogs, Cakes, and Swordstick, and follow Lynn on Facebook and on Twitter at Cogs and Cakes. Till next time, embrace the nerd, and I hope you make that saving throw. Cascadia podcast featuring Steve Hobbs, Paul Anderson, and Joe Costa. This podcast is brought to you by OrcaCon.